And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even? Your team gonna be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Each season, champion contenders. We drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba. <laughs> your team whack and your players whacker. I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer. Okay, we about chips here. I'm talking about this year. Band of 12 plus 6 here. Carson was top rookie. I'm seeing it now. Ain't playing around with Tatum and Hay with a brown. We off the charts, but you gotta play it market smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up to date. You heard? <laughs> AJ, I, I see you, player. Shit! Welcome to Anything Else Potable! The Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan. And I'm joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter for The Athletic, Jay King, everyone. And today, uh, we are podcasting because Tristan Thompson was introduced uh, to the Boston Celtics. It was his turn to go on the Zoom call. Um, Personally, I have not watched a Tristan Thompson game in two years, and I had to think of uh, someone who knew something about Tristan Thompson. I know Jay spends his time uh, covering the Celtics, and so I'm turning to someone who I know has sat through two years of Cleveland Cavaliers basketball. That's Justin Rowan, uh, also known as Cavs Nada. Is it pronounced Cavs Nada? I think it in my head, Cavs Nada. It, it looks so much better on paper than it sounds out loud. I always go Cavs Anada because I, I just slapped the Cavs in the Canada there. Um, but yeah, I, I have been forced to watch a lot of Cleveland Cavaliers basketball the last couple of years, so I'm more than happy to come on the podcast. And You uh, might be the only Tristan Thompson expert these days. <laughs> <laughs> you yep. know what? When, when people invite me on the podcast these days, it's typically, hey, we just got a player from the Cavs. What are they like? <laughs> um, so this is a role I'm very familiar with. <laughs> Uh, Justin is the host of the Chase Down podcast, so you can catch him there if you want to get your Darius Garland takes. Uh, still trying to go with Sexland? Is it still trying to make Sexland a thing? Yeah, we're, we're making Sexland work for at least another year. You know, 2020 has been weird enough. Might as well stick <laughs> with what you know, and uh, we'll, we'll figure out how that's going uh, probably very soon. All right, but so let's talk about Tristan. I he was either the first time I think I've seen Tristan Thompson talk. He is a, a seemed like a wonderful guy in a Zoom conference. Um, what do you think his impact is going to be on the Celtics? I think we think of him as this this uh, defensive guy who gets a lot of rebounds. He said he wanted to play with like a high motor Marcus Smart style. I th- don't know if he was just pandering to the reporters or that's actually what he's going to bring. So tell me, tell me about Tristan. Yeah, that that's very much what he does bring to the table. He's one of those guys that really does. He, he's 
the typical glue guy, right? Like he fills in, he does all the dirty work. And I think in today's NBA, when you look at the centers, you either have like a Nikola Jokic type or Bam where they're able to initiate offense or you have guys that understand what they do well and what they do that translates to winning and they stick to that. There's a whole bunch of guys in the middle that may be more talented than Tristan Thompson, but when it comes to actual impact, I, I really do love this fit for Tristan. I, I absolutely hate to see him leave. Um, one of the admirable things about him is even though the Cavs were clearly out of championship contention after LeBron left, uh, that that's a guy that was still bought in. He still played incredibly hard, uh, m- really, really significant uh, impact in the locker room as well on the young guys. I, I just think that this is a perfect mesh of kind of team culture and, and what Tristan can uh Pardon me, bring to the table. I, I just blew a tire there. Good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so so I've talked to a lot of people about Tristan Thompson, and there is some concern that he's not the same player he was in, say, 2016 when he was awesome. Mm-hmm. How have you seen his physical decline, if there's been any? Is it possible that he just didn't care as much on those Cavaliers teams? Like, where would you rate him now compared to four years ago when he was so awesome on that championship team? Yeah, I I think when you look at kind of advanced stats in today's NBA, right now I think we have a pretty good grasp of what's happening offensively. But when it comes to defense, a lot of times you're working backwards from the team stats. And when... You have so many young guys and so many guys that aren't really known for defense. That are trash defenders. (laughs) Yeah, let's call it what it is. Historically bad defense. It becomes really difficult to kind of shine as a team defender. I would say if there is a decline with Tristan, it's back in 2016, uh, 2015. Um, he was somebody that could switch onto all five positions. I mean, he defended Steph Curry better than anybody, and that versatility was a big part of why the Cavs actually made the death lineup a net negative in in those finals. Right now, I, I'd say Tristan can probably defend. Oh, guys, stop you there. Do you hold on to uh, that stat as like oh, a gem? Of- big time. I, Big time. You, you I went to that, I lather that, so lather easily that on myself like, yeah. every single morning. I, I will <laughs> lather that on myself every single morning. Keeps keeps me smiling, keeps me glowing. Um, yeah, right now I think he can defend all three forward spots pretty easily. You, you don't want him doing all the time, but off the switch, I'd feel comfortable with that. I think he can still go defend guards in space from time to time, um, but probably not with the same kind of frequency that he was able to. But um, overall, I, I think, Celtics fans are, are going to be surprised because he, he's probably coming off one of his best seasons and he's really added a, a lot of small um, adjustments to his offensive game that I, I think is going to mesh really well with this roster. Yeah, and I think the switching part is really important for the Celtics because obviously Ennis Cantor couldn't even <laughs> switch a light on, man. Like, that was a bad joke. That was fucking awful. No, you know what? It's preseason for us too. I mean, I blew a tire, and you just you attempted you whatever that was. At least you took I was shot, waiting man. for Judas laughter shoot. from you guys, and I just I just saw fucking blank faces. And I was like, oh shit, that was bad. Um, but the upgrade from Ennis Cantor to Tristan Thompson defensively, even if he's not quite where he was four or five years ago, isn't awesome. Like, that is a very substantial upgrade. And Cantor was good during the regular season, but totally fell off. His impact fell off during the playoffs. 
and they knew it was going to because there are just matchups when he can't hold up. Um, Tristan is the other way around where his value seems to be better when he's around better players and in the playoffs because he's one of the rare big guys who can move his feet defensively and still kick your ass on the glass. So I do think, like you said, he should be a good fit in that way for the Celtics. Um, Mm -hmm. And and if I can add one thing, I I know people will mention kind of his numbers as a rim protector at the rim, but the biggest thing that he brings to the table when it comes to rim defense is preventing penetration. Like, and when you look at this Celtics team uh, without Gordon Hayward there, you're you're probably going to see more of kind of those lineups with smart Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum out there. That's, phenomenal perimeter defense and when you add Tristan to that mix I really think it's going to elevate their team defense as a whole and and they're going to be a team that isn't going to give up a lot of shots at the rim in those situations it's not like he's a bad defender at the rim but he's not somebody that's going to sit back like let's say a Miles Turner uh, is going to sit back at the rim and and try to block those shots it's more about preventing those high quality opportunities and the way you're talking about it he sounds a lot like Daniel Tice And the Celtics with Tice on the court, their whole philosophy about rim defense was like, just don't let them get to the fucking rim. And that's that's how we're going to stop this. And Brad Stevens would constantly say, if they get to the rim, we're screwed. Mm -hmm. Now, Thompson allows them to keep that, you know, kind of mentality, that approach for a greater amount of time and especially in a playoff setting. My concern Mm -hmm. about Tristan Thompson, I guess, is. I think the Celtics defense are going to be a defensive team. Jay's talked about this in the past couple of weeks about they have a chance to be a pretty solid defensive team, uh, especially if like, I think Grant Williams is going to get more minutes. Kemba's not going to play. That's actually going to help their defense some, Uh, but it's on the offensive end of the court. Other than getting offensive rebounds, you mentioned he was kind of fine tuning some of his offensive skills. I just don't know what to expect from Tristan Thompson. Uh, Is like, is he just a screen? Like, classic just rolled to the rim kind of big what's his offensive game like because I think that's what differentiates him from Tice Tice is not the best shooter but he does have a little bit more pick and pop and I think of him as more mobile uh more of a guy who can operate on the like elbows than uh Thompson so what are we getting from Tristan I guess on the offensive end yeah uh anyone looking at his stats last year I wouldn't read too much into him hitting three pointers uh that's I I think he's capable of doing percent last year nine of <laughs> yeah. 23 Hey, man, the Cavs are just a team of snipers, let me tell you. Um, But I I think he's going to stick with what he does best, especially with this being a winning situation. Uh, One of the improvements he's made over the last few years is he really makes intelligent passes out of that short roll. Um, He's somebody that it's not just, okay, I'm setting my screen, I'm getting the ball, and I'm going to go up to try to score. He has awareness of where everybody else is. And he he's improved his touch that that translates into post ups. He's he's not afraid to post up when he gets a switch. Which I, I'm going to mention Miles Turner again because th- that was kind of one of the other options I guess for the Celtics. You, you looked at him getting switched onto Duncan Robinson, and he was afraid to do anything with that. That's not going to be the case with Tristan. Um, and if help does come, he's going to be able to recognize that and, and pass. The other thing I, I think he's really intelligent with is finding passing lanes off ball. Uh, He moves really well off ball and and there's a gravity to that because not only do you have to account for him going for those offensive rebounds and and creating those extra possessions, but he's also going to find those passing lanes and make himself available. 
obviously he's not going to be a, a primary scoring option, but he's somebody that has elevated the Cavs offense in the past. And that's with not a lot of great options around him. And I mean, it was also the case with LeBron and those better teams. But I, I do think that when there is offensive talent around him, uh, he's, he's someone that fits in really well and will figure out kind of where he is. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them have a better offense with him on the court than off. What would be your biggest concern from a Celtics perspective about acquiring Thompson? Um, I, I would say, so he, he's been healthy the, the last year or so, but there was some significant wear and tear on his body over that uh, final stretch. I mean, one thing that I really admired about him, especially as a Canadian, was after going to the NBA Finals, he would go play for Team Canada with no other NBA players there. But he felt, especially as a leader of that program, that he needed to go there. And unfortunately, the, the wear and tear after those first two years, uh, in 2017 Finals, he, he had already broken down at that point and was playing through injury. Uh, they didn't really have a backup for either he or Kyrie Irving, which is one of the regrets David Griffin had expressed at the time. Um, but while, while those seem to be in the past, I, I do think as these high energy players that, that really are explosive and fighting for loose balls and all that kind of stuff, I, I think that there is an inherent risk there. But as you guys mentioned with Daniel Tice there as well, I think they're going to be able to keep his minutes in a, a manageable situation. Like if you're getting 28 good minutes out of him, um, I, I think you're going to be able to keep him fresh enough, but that, that would be my big concern. What about if he's only getting 24 minutes? This guy is was a starter on the, like he was the best player on the, I guess the Cavs last year. He was <laughs> the guy. Daniel Tice was the starter here. I don't know if Tristan Thompson immediately comes in and kind of gets the starting role. Is he a guy who's going to be willing to I guess uh accept that? There's also Robert Williams, his minutes are going to have to come from somewhere if the uh, Celtics are going to try to do anything with him. Maybe it seems likely that Thompson's not going to play as often as he certainly did in uh, Cleveland, especially over the last two years. Is except is he just on like trying to find another championship team mode after just nonsense with the Cavs the past two years? After playing with Jetty Osmond for two <laughs> <Yeah>. years, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I do think you're still going to get the consistent effort from him. One of the things I found was admirable, and maybe some of this was the the fact that he was going into a contract situation in the off season. Um, but he's not somebody that his effort kind of comes and goes. It, it's always there. Um, he's been benched in the past. He he came off the bench for Timothy Mozgov, and he played really hard in that stretch. Uh, when the Cavs traded for Andre Drummond, he was still coming in. He was playing hard. And in a lot of those games, Drummond was benched in the fourth quarter because the Cavs... Did they play them next to each other? How many uh, there, there was there were some minutes. There were some <laughs> minutes that they played them together. I would not advocate for that. It must have been glorious. Uh yeah. Well, especially because it came with Larry Nance at the three. I don't 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 ask me how those lineups actually were a positive. I don't think that would have lasted for more than the like five games that they actually mm -hmm. had together. Maybe the Celtics can run out Tice Thompson and Robert Williams. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Maybe. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think like when you look at those opportunities, Tristan has come off the bench. He has continued to play hard in those minutes. And um, I, I what I would expect, I mean, if Tice is kind of the incumbent here and he's starting, it wouldn't surprise me to see Tristan closing a lot of these games because he's just making that kind of impact. But I, I do think it, it's a good problem to have because I, I don't think competition is going to be something that he shies away from. And if Brad Stevens says, hey, 22, 24 minutes is your role. 
you're going to get a real fresh 22, 24 minutes from Tristan. One thing I think Celtics fans are a little misguided about is like they see Tristan Thompson as like a Joel Embiid stopper, you know, like a, <laughs> a, a super big guy stopper. And and there aren't many of those in the league. Um, I see him more as like he's a, only six, nine, like he's basically yeah. as tall as Jason Tatum. Yeah. How does he hold up against like the best players in the low post um, defensively? Yeah, he, he's done well. I mean, it, it's hard to really read into a whole lot of the examples because, I mean, there's just there hasn't been a whole lot of high leverage moments the last two years. And um, I, I think what Celtics fans are going to be interested in is what happens in the playoffs. Like what kind of uh, matchups are, are going to be exploded and targeted? Um, he, he's got the Kyle Lowry booty, um, so he does play Always bigger. important in all sports. Yeah. Yeah, he so he plays a lot. He plays the Yabuselli booty in Boston. (laughs) Yeah, there there will be a lot of weird Celtics uh, tweets about Tristan Thompson's ass this season. I can guarantee you that. Let's get Uh, on board now, folks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Get those drafts ready. Um, He he holds his own. Like it's um, he he's had some of his best games against larger centers. (laughs) I always think of him. owning Andre Drummond, which, I mean, a lot of guys have, but he's had some of his best games. That's against future him. defensive player of the year, Andre Drummond, based oh, yeah. on his recent comments. Oh, yeah. I saw and, a tweet out of Cavs, some Cavs reporter, and I think it was Andre Drummond saying that he could guard one through five, that, like, they could yeah. play him, JaVale, and uh, Larry Nance, and you can just, it's lockdown defense. Did he actually say that? Or is that just like have, a weird tweet interpretation? I haven't seen the quote. I believe that he said it. Uh, shout out to Evan Damerall that uh, tweeted that out uh, w- with Forbes as well as Fear the Sword. But uh, yeah, there there's <laughs> there were a lot of things that Andre Drummond said um, at <laughs> camp that uh, have made me laugh. And, and we will get into some of those a little later on. That's, used, that's a tease, folks. <laughs> I used to follow. I forget whether it was Andre Drummond or his trainer on Instagram just to laugh at the drills that he would do during the offseason, oh, man. It would we, be like we, he'd be launching threes and coming around screens. It's like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Like, just learn how to drumming, be a big man. Point drumming, man. We're, we're ready for it. <laughs> I, see, I really, feel like Andre Drummond and Jaleel Okafor making three videos uh, each of the past three offseasons. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, man, did he he was not shy to take them once he came to Cleveland. It, uh, it, it was a sight to see for sure. Uh, I'm trying to think of other Tristan Thompson questions. He was very uh, great with the the media today. He said each questioner's name back to them, which I just thought was very polite. Uh, it seems oh, like he, he's-, he's the best. Like it's the media is going to love Tristan. Like I, I think people assume based on like Kardashian headlines and whatnot that he is one type of guy, but uh, he, he's someone that's absolutely beloved uh, by the Cavs organization, the players. Um, my experience in the locker room with him was great. Like he's, he's just a really, really solid guy. And, uh, I, I think, uh, that, that he's going to definitely leave a positive impression on Boston. He's their only guy with a championship. Yeah, there you go. Some championship experience. I mean, <laughs> the Cavs brought in JaVale McGee, so we, we got rings aplenty, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think, did the Celtics have someone with a championship last year? I don't think they did. Maybe that's what's going to put them over the top. They, this they is just the need first a little bit more championship experience. Since Kyrie said they needed a veteran with championship experience. Finally, well, years later, they brought in Kyrie's teammate. 
I mean, the thing you also have to consider is not only it's a bit of a two for one because not only is Tristan Thompson going to be there, you got Khloe Kardashian coming with him, and she's got three rings because she's got two with Odom and one with Tristan. So that's a, that's Ooh. a three time champion you're order, you're bringing into the organization. That is true. I, I didn't even think of that. I was going to ask if we're going to see any Kardashians courtside at Boston, and I realized we're not going to be at games. And so, yeah, the, yeah, the world. I, I I had to modify my joke midway through because I just remembered the world still ending. But, uh, <laughs> it was still much better than my Cantor joke. As a <laughs> as a Canadian basketball fan, what do you feel about the Raptors playing in Tampa? Are you personally affronted, or are you not representing it in the North? I mean. Uh, I've explained this to people before, but you know how people in New York view people outside of New York? I, I mean, I, I guess we all got a great taste of that with those uh, bodega tweets. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> but it's the same thing with Toronto and the rest of Canada. The rest of Canada doesn't love Toronto like that. And Toronto sure as hell doesn't love the rest of Canada like that. It, it's going to be entertaining. Um, my brother has already bought a Tampa Raptors jersey, uh, a knockoff one. So he's uh, he's very excited for that. Um, I, I have a family of Raptors fans and I'm the uh, the one black sheep there. So uh, it's, I, I mean, ultimately if, uh, if there's no fans, I, I guess it, it doesn't really make a huge difference, which apparently, um, Brian Windhorst had talked about this as well, was part of the decision-making for Tristan was he had considered going to Toronto if Ibaka left, but if you're not playing in Toronto and you're not playing in front of the fans, it's not exactly a homecoming. So maybe that was a, a bit of good luck for the Celtics. Yeah. No one wants to go to Tampa. No, 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 God, no, especially not in the middle of COVID. Yeah. Um, Jay, you have anything, any other impressions from Tristan Thompson's media availability? Or we did hear from Marcus Smart, who gave us a very boring three and a half minutes. Um, but any other takes? <laughs> You're the reporter here from the Celtic Zoom today. I have no takes except that Tristan seemed like a polished motherfucker. That that is how I'd put it. Very polished. Did you write that in the athletic? Can people go to the athletic.com <laughs> slash Celtics? Polished mother said polished motherfucker Tristan Thompson. <laughs> um no, I like he said all the right things. I, I do think from everyone I've talked to, he'll be a very good influence mm-hmm. in Boston. And I think there's something to be said what especially if he comes off the bench. Their bench needed a guy who just doesn't give a shit about anything but winning. And is an older. Oh, they needed a competent backup center. They older, experienced dude, not named Ennis Cantor. Like that dude was in a locker room with LeBron and Kyrie. If yeah. if you can be in a locker room with LeBron and Kyrie, you have learned so much shit about how to deal with the NBA and everything it can bring. And not only that, he was basically the only player on the team that could yell at LeBron and not have lebron like lebron would be like oh yeah yeah you're right because especially Ooh. the the last couple of years there when lebron's saving himself on defense and he blows an assignment and then yells at his teammate it'd be tristan yelling at him hey you're the one that blew the assignment you idiot he, he was the one that was challenging him so i i think that's uh that's going to be a positive influence in the celtics locker room and uh it's i mean it's a weird situation normally a franchise might have one player and then their son comes in place for the team. It is a little weird that Al Horford's father is playing for the Celtics after. <laughs> I was waiting for the Al Horford reference that was going to come. I was actually trying to think of how I was going to work it in because he absolutely dominated Al Horford. More so with the Hawks, when Al Horford was with the Hawks, but definitely still... The, the uh, lineup numbers were hilarious. So that, that is another thing along with that depth lineup stats. 
That's every single game, even even in the conference finals where Boston should have won and it went all seven games, even in those poor games, the numbers on off uh, Horford and Tristan were, were just staggering. I was just looking at that conference finals. I had completely forgot that the Celtics like started that series off 2-0 and then, oh, yeah. like completely erased it from my memory. Like I only think the thing I remember the most about that finals is just Terry Rozier and Jalen Brown missing threes in game seven. But that was a surprisingly close series that it doesn't seem like the Celtics should have had any chance of winning in my memory, but they came yeah. damn close. Well, no, I, I picked the Raptors the round before and I picked Boston that round because that cast team was awful. Like they should have lost that cast team was so bad. The was supporting so bad. cast. Everybody they traded for got hurt. Tristan, I mean, Tristan wasn't healthy, but and first uh, of all, everybody they got they traded for stunk. Like, <laughs> well, they they, they, had, the they had that deadline. stretch. They they had that the the stretch after the trade deadline, but then Larry Nance pulled his hamstring. All of a sudden, you're you're probably your most productive guy. You got uh, went to crap. Uh, Ronnie Hood, I forget what his injury was, but he got hurt <laughs> before the playoffs. Uh, George Hill hurt his shoulder. That sucked. And then Jordan Clarkson just fell apart. Well, he was the only one that didn't get hurt. Um, that trade but he was, was Jordan probably Clarkson. my favorite trade deadline ever because everyone was like, oh, yeah, Cavs are title favorites now. They got Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance, Rodney Hood, and George Hill. And I was sitting there like – I, I like the trade. I didn't think wait. title favorite. I, I thought they were losing – I mean, nobody's being the Warriors unless yeah. they, they got banged up. But um, I like I, I like those moves. I mean, it, it was funny. Before the season – I, my famous column before the season had even started, I said the Cavs should trade Isaiah Thomas and their first round pick for George Hill. That I did not want IT on the team, and George Hill still ended up coming to the Cavs. So, um, yeah, that that was one hell of a series. Um, I I remember a big part of it. I think the the swinging point was they eventually went from Larry Nance to Tristan Thompson and Tristan's ability to impact Al Horford's ability to create for others was a real crucial part of that series. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Tristan played like 36 minutes in game seven where he was doing like 25 the rest of the series. And it's like, oh, okay, he did something. Tristan <laughs> has always been a Celtics killer who finishes with like seven points and eight rebounds or something. But every point and every rebound is like the most pivotal. It comes at the most pivotal moment. I can remember even dating back to Stevens's first playoffs, like. It was a blowout, absolute blowout. The Cavs had Kyrie and LeBron and Kevin Love until Kelly Olynyk <laughs> injured his shoulder. Um, Accidentally, Kelly Olynyk fell into it. It was a total mismatch, but every game was close. In every game, it was just like Tristan Thompson had two or three offensive rebounds in the fourth quarter, and then they hit just back, baking three pointers after them. 
Like, I, I hate that he's gone, but I am happy that it is to a good situation. Like, I, I, I think you guys, especially if Kemba Walker is healthy, um, Celtics fans big should be really, really good about this season. Well, I mean, it is a big if, but at the same time, I, I don't think he's the most crucial part. I mean, he's certainly an X factor. Uh, but I think Celtics fans should feel good about this season. And Tristan going to a team that the Cavs did beat in the playoffs. I, I feel like the fan bases that have the most appreciation for him are those teams that faced him because you understand, especially with a good offense, when you get a stop and this guy <laughs> creates another possession, it's one of the most deflating things in the world. Like uh, Hawks fans absolutely could not stand him. Raptors fans know <laughs> exactly what the case was and, and Warriors fans as well. I mean, uh, when I talked to Sam and Andy, like it's, there's the appreciation for what Tristan does in that organization as well is sky high. And Tristan Thompson kind of brought it up today in his first question. He was like, you know, when you have a lot of success about a team, like against a team, you hear the rumors and the, the rumors happen to be true. He called him Mr. Ainge, uh, <laughs> but pretty much this, he has dominated the uh, Celtics over the years. All right, I think I've I've run out of everything I've had to say about Tristan Thompson. I'm Hopefully, surprised we got this much. I'm I know it's we got pretty this good. Much, but you know, it, it's it's just how good we are, right? Like the the banter's just flowing. Absolutely, and so to continue this banter, and we're gonna we're gonna give it more structure here in a, in a segment we like to call the Potable Six Pack. That is where we uh, draft six of our whatever our favorite things are of the day or of the topic of the season. It is training camp season. It is media day. We're not going to a normal media day where you kind of hang out at, at like a weird, at least the Celtics do it. It's like a weird TV studio and they just kind of <laughs> set you up in a cafeteria and they just ask, you just have 20 press conferences in a row. Um, they're stretching that fun out over two and a half weeks of what's going to be training camp. But with that, we get a lot of player press conferences, a lot more than we're used to. Some guys are not really used to talking in the big press conference mode. And so for this potable six pack, we're going to be drafting uh, training camp or media day cliches. And we do this a snake draft style. So, Justin, you were the guest. I'll let you pick your order. Where do you want to oh, pick? I want to pick this first. Snake draft? I want to pick first because unlike the 2020 draft, there, there is a clear favorite in this draft that I, I, I need to go grab. All right, let's hear it. Best shape of my life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just in the best shape of my life. I, I, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling fresh. And uh, that that is my clear first pick. I, I sprinted to the podium to draft that one. Now, there's yeah. a lot of ones after that that fit into that. It's either got a yeah. new trainer, started a new workout, um, started getting like vegan or vegetarian. There's different ways that people get in the best shape of their life. But I always like the guy who's like added 20 pounds of muscle. And it's like, yeah. no one's going to really Darius Garland. That. Darius Garland, 17 pounds, man. Ooh. <laughs> my my favorite was when Jared Sullinger, every year his shape would be <laughs> a a thing. And and every year he would come back and it'd be like, oh, I, I spent time with this trainer or that trainer or whatever. And I, I can remember, I'm not going to say the reporter, but one year he came back and after he did his press conference, one of the reporters off to the side was like, yo, like we can see you like, like we, we can tell we, you rounded out your we game know you offseason. didn't lose like 40 pounds or whatever you said you lost and uh I, I was thankfully there for that moment it was an incredible moment um but yeah that was that was when the i'm in the best shape of my life peaked for me yeah do i have so. do i have the second pick here go for it this is kind of a 
a niche one. Um, but Big Ben saying that they're going to shoot more three pointers in training <laughs> camp has become one of my favorite. Like Daniel Tice last year said he got a much quicker release and was ready to do that. And it's like, no. Ennis Cantor last year, there was talk that the Celtics were going to push him to shoot threes, and he shot like a couple during the regular season, but it never really happened and it never should happen. So I am. You're all lying. Almost all of you are lying. <laughs> For every Aaron Baines, there are 12 Ennis Cantors and Daniel Tices who didn't really do anything to improve their three-point percentage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they or took volume. a lot in the offseason, though. I mean, they, they just shot them in the summer. <laughs> and and that automatically translates to the NBA. You, That's why you, you get videos Drummond of Andre really Drummond, <laughs> Jaleel Okafor. All right, for my pick for top, um, I guess, preseason cliches from players, um, this one's a bit off the board, but it's going to be James Harden demanding a new point guard because it has become (laughs) so cliche at this point that I just love the report that he had a preference for John Wall uh, over Russell Westbrook. Which is why the guy hasn't played in two years. That's great. Well, I, I mean, if your whole game is predicated on having the ball at all times, you probably do prefer the guy that hasn't played in two years because you're getting touches galore. John Wall moves less off ball than Russell Westbrook does. John Wall <laughs> historically will pass the ball and then stand. Like it's I have a hot take. Work. I have a hot take here. John Wall will be a great fit in Houston if he can play. I, you know what? I'm, I'm kind if of. If he's good, it. he's going to be good. Like, what kind of I, take I, is that? I think John Wall, Christian Wood, pick and roll. That, that's going to be fun. Uh, I, I hope they don't play the the same style. Like the the thing that drives me nuts, and we we see it to a lesser extent with Luca, but Trey r- reminds me of this. Uh, Westbrook when he was in OKC, these heliocentric offenses where one guy just has the ball at all times and creates for everybody else, and nobody gets a touch unless it's an assist opportunity. I, I know it gets you numbers, but it, it's just so Aren't unwatchable. You a Cavs fan? What? Aren't you a Cavs fan? So th- there, I, that I hated 2018. I hated 2018. It, it was different in the previous years because there was more kind of off-ball movement. The there were isolation. other dudes isoing rather than LeBron. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Multiple dudes, and the, I, I mean, the two-man game with LeBron and Kyrie was a lot of fun. There, there were wrinkles within it that made it a whole lot easier to to handle. Um, and, and I mean, hey, no one's going to stop J.R. Smith from handling the ball either. So maybe some of that was just because of the personalities. But I do think it's being taken to an extreme. And especially in the playoffs, you need to have multiple guys that can initiate the offense. And when it's just one guy, it always, always, always falls apart. Yeah, and I think that like it's it's really hard when you're playing just a James Harden offense to get away with having a non-shooter like Russell Westbrook on the court. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. if you're playing a move around offense and it's, it's a lot harder for teams to help off a guy who's moving around all the time versus a guy that's stationary in one spot. So I, I think the Rockets will actually be better off running a more normal system this year. If Harden can de- redevelop some of those habits he had way back in the day versus yep. the last, few years when he's just pounded the shit out of the ball i've seen the other hot take that westbrook and bradley beal is going to be some sort of like good offense and because just surrounded with like shooting Bertans, hachimura like i saw denny, actually i mean denny shot like 50 percent from the free throw line he's going to space the hell out of the floor. <laughs> 
I just like that Russell Westbrook and Fred Katz get to hang out again because they had such a wonderful relationship. And Scott Brooks. And and Scott Scott Brooks. <laughs> He's there. I love it. Reunion, uh, baby. Your oh, yeah. pick again, Packard. My pick again. I don't know. I was I'm I've been struggling with this one because um I did not prepare for this segment, but I feel like it's just gonna be uh Players you know hyping, players hyping up their new I can teammate. help you out. I can toss you one. I can toss oh, you one because I got a few. Oh, whole league is doubting us. Just like they were doubting your ability to come up with a pick. <laughs> whole league is doubting us or some version of that. Uh, there are 29 teams that believe the league is doubting them. And you know what? LeBron is on the champion. So you're probably going to get that narrative from him too. So I feel like that's more of a LeBron narrative than uh, a Celtics uh, cliche. I did not hear that today. And I'm just Wash King. the opportunity to. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What'd you say? Wash King. Yeah. Wash King, man. I mean, okay. so. All I'm right. 29 teams. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll let the Celtics off the hook this year. Yeah. I, and maybe maybe that was more of a uh, character trait when uh, it was on the team. It, oh, that definitely was. And Mar- Marcus Smart's good to good for pulling one of those out every year. I feel like. <laughs> well, I feel like the, the the Celtics thing is just they, like they take it from Brad. But the, what I was gonna go with is just like hyping up the guys they're playing with so much. I feel like everyone does that in the NBA. But it's yeah. just Marcus Smart was like asked about Tristan Thompson today, and just. It, that was like that's when you feel like uh, athletes just like put on their face of I am answering a question now. That guy's yeah. great. He's going to bring a lot of energy to the team. We're excited to have him. They all have the same talking points. Great. Jay, what did Jason Tatum say about T and uh, Thompson? He's just like maturity. Those guys are just going to bring maturity. I'm like, <laughs> what Jason Tatum's like go to description of these two guys is like, yeah, those guys are going to be super mature in the locker room. So I'll go with that. Just hyping up the new acquisition. I like that. My like favorite. That quote so far from the Celtics media week was Kemba Walker discussing Jeff Teague that edition and he started off like unfortunately we lost a brother it's going to be tough it's going to be tough to replace him and then he was like Brad Wanamaker (laughs) yeah I was totally convinced it was Gordon Hayward and he went on to call Gordon Hayward a brother and, and say later on in a totally different answer but man, I, I I was floored when he said Brad Wanamaker. It, it cracked me up. Um, my pick is Team X that beat us in the playoffs last year wasn't better than us. Mm. That was always a Wizards staple. Whenever <laughs> they got knocked out of the playoffs, when John Wall and Bradley Beal were both healthy, they'd come back the next year and be like, "Yeah, well, we were better than the Cavs," or "Yeah, we were better than the Celtics for sure." Uh, Marcus Morris threw it out there today in Los Angeles. Like, yeah, we oh, were better. We were a better that's team than the Nuggets. I feel like that's right up Marcus Morris's regular playbook. So I'll, that, I'll say this. I'll say this because nobody in Miami pays for the athletic because they're too busy doing cocaine and whatever else you do <laughs> in Miami. Um, Boston was the better team. Boston I know was definitely the better team. They just didn't close games. They turned the ball over in games one and two in the fourth quarter. It's infuriating. And you're absolutely right. They Luckily, the Celtics didn't come out and say it today, but I feel like a lot of their comments were like, well, we got to be better than the Heat. Like, like bringing up the Danny Ainge has kind of said it, or at least uh, the, last, that, the last two times the Celtics that. were in the conference finals, they lost to a lesser team. I like do with that what you will, Stevens but like that's what angry Celtics fans will say is that Brad Stevens is a, a bad playoff coach and is weak because of those losses. And the Heat kind of kicked the shit out of them. Like they were Not all yet. close games, but every fourth quarter was just bloodbath. 
Tristan's going to help with that. Tristan's going to help bring some toughness. I mean, him and Marcus Smart are definitely soulmates. Yeah, he, he will bring the needed maturity. Will, yeah. Okay, so what happens when Marcus Smart throws a chair in Game Two after in the Eastern Conference Semifinals? What's Tristan going to do? Because we heard recently that throw a bigger uh, chair, a bigger <laughs> chair. There you go. I I just wanted to bring up this one story. Is Grant Williams was on a podcast recently, and he was talking about that the chair throwing the fight after Game Two of the Eastern Conference Finals. And he said he tried to step in, and immediately the entire locker room just told him to shut the fuck up, Grant. And I thought, <laughs> absolutely perfect. He's not going to be mo- ever move on from his rookie status. I just think he's going to continue that. And but that's uh, so the good. perfect moment. That's so good. I I have a good pick here uh, for this last one. This like is where I want to be. This is where I want to be. Um, Andre Drummond told that lie today and other players will say, you know what, this is where I want it to be, especially players that have been in trade rumors. Uh, it'll be, Hey, I I wanted to be in Cleveland all along. We just had discussions, me and my agent, uh, I want to get my number retired, uh, here. I want to be in the Raptors. (laughs) Yep. Yep. This is absolutely where I want to be. And, uh, Bradley Beal will say that James Harden will say that, uh, Oladipo, yeah, he he could not be more happy to be an Indian. I mean, <laughs> it just really speaks to him. He, he's playing hometown team and whatnot. Uh, it's 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 where he wants to be. I I really think that that's a, a under the radar media day quote. That's it. That's definitely a good one. Is there any other honorable mentions? As I said, I did not come prepared, so I'm looking to you two uh, for any other. I had clubs. I had three, and I gave one to you. Oh, there we go. I only came with one, and then I thought of my second <laughs> while we were snagging around. I did the same and didn't think of my second, and so that's the kind of show like we're we're running here at the athletic. Mm-hmm. That's, there you go. Uh, but uh, before we wrap this up, I want to say I feel like the most overlooked part of this podcast is that we just kind of let go instead of focusing on it as a pretty key component. If I were in an NBA organization, I would only target guys who could get away with yelling at LeBron. Like, if you can get <laughs> away with yelling at LeBron, then you're kind of pretty big deal to have in a yeah. locker room. I, I think the only problem with that is there's just so few of them. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean... Do we think LeBron- Kendrick Perkins could yell at LeBron? Mm. No, I, I don't know. I, I think I think Perk oh, knows where his checks come from. Perk's definitely willing to yell and yell yeah. uh, at anyone, but I don't I think Perk. he should feel like he should uh, can yell at LeBron. Yeah, Tr- Tristan and LeBron had a relationship back even before he was with the Cavs, right? Like, um, I remember Tristan. Uh, I think his second year, he threw a birthday party in Toronto, and LeBron was there. He was one of the featured guests and whatnot, and um, like. Part of the reason is LeBron knows Tristan's going to be there to work out just as early. He's going to work just as hard. Um, and he he dedicates himself in the same way. So if LeBron feels like you're bringing that kind of effort to the table, you're able to yell at him and you're able to hold him accountable. So the key for the Celtics is having Marcus Smart and Tristan Thompson have a symbiotic relationship and not butt heads. Because if you can get those two energies. Oh, they're, they're going to do the way. fusion dance. They're going to do the fusion dance at some point this year. And it's going to be wonderful for you. Oh, that's do you think the Celtics have anyone else who could yell at LeBron if they were his teammate? Like, I think Marcus Smart could probably yell. I feel like LeBron probably respects Jalen Brown. I feel like LeBron respects what Jalen brings to the table. I, I, God, I respect the hell out of Jalen Brown. Like, I, I think, I honestly think his season flew under the radar just because people were so excited about the high watermark that Tatum was setting. But Brown is fantastic, and 
Um, the problem he, is Jalen Brown doesn't yell at anyone. Jalen Brown just gets yelled at by Marcus he, Smart. He does get yelled at. <laughs> He's too zen. <laughs> Two years ago when they had their rough year, it was just Jalen getting yelled at by everyone <laughs> every game. And, and really? look look what he did with that energy. He, he was the Mario the right Chalmers way. of the Celtics. He really was. <laughs> I hope Tristan does some some yelling. The only pro, like guy who seems to do, do that is Marcus Smart and – you know, if it's extreme pandering for Tristan to come in and say he's going to play like Marcus Smart, but that's the exact kind of pandering I want to hear as a Celtics fan. And so, oh, yeah. right up my alley. You, you know, it, he does his film study. He knows his opponent. He knows he knows the market he's playing in, and he knows exactly what Celtics fans wanted to hear. So he he spoon fed it to them. That's perfect. Uh, this has been a great scouting report of Tristan Thompson. Uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to talk Tristan Thompson or Cavs basketball uh, anytime oh. soon, but if oh. you do want to hear about the Cleveland Cavaliers and Sexland, who did they draft this year? I don't even remember. The next Jalen Brown, Isaac Okoro. Oh, Jay King. I, I love fair. Isaac Okoro. I love him so the, much. And the, the Cavs, the, the one thing the Cavs can actually say is that they have really good uh, player development staff when it comes to developing jump shots. Like they've done a really good job with that. And they can get that with Okoro. Man, I'm I'm thrilled because they, they were throwing the smoke screen with Obi Toppin and a whole bunch of other things, but they actually made the smart pick. They, they targeted defense. I love it. Jay King wrote a preview of like 25 different players and just his Isaac Okoro included six video clips. He included no video clips of any other player. So Jay King is a huge <laughs> Isaac Okoro fan. I was an Okoro stan. I'm not going to lie. I'm happy. I'm happy. It's right. uh, it's going to be a very fun mid-20s win season. That's that's what I'm hoping for. And if Growing anyone pain. wants to hear about that mid-20s win season, where can they find uh, your podcast? Yeah, so you can find the Chase Down podcast wherever you get your podcast, uh, Spotify, what, what, whatnot. Um, we not only talk about the Cavs, we do talk about the rest of the league kind of through our lenses as Cavs fans because, I mean, let's be honest, I'm trying to get a podcast that people want to listen to, and <laughs> sometimes you got to mix in a little bit of the rest of the league. Uh, but but we also find, especially uh, especially – as Cavs fans, we we like we're fans of the whole NBA, and uh, I, I think when you properly cover the, the rest of the league as well, it gives people a little bit more understanding and appreciation for uh, where they stand in the league. So check us out there, leave us ratings, reviews, all that good stuff, and uh, don't follow me on Twitter because you'll probably hate me. Yes, um, most I'm, I'm sure most of Celtics Twitter is going to be upset when they see that your name has been announced on this podcast because you. Do, do you think they know who I am? <laughs> I think the the, the real ones will remember your trolling from you the LeBron the days. Like that's <laughs> truly how I got introduced to you. Was like, oh man, he's just trolling Celtics fans, and the team is better. So this is upsetting to me. <laughs> so if you want to do that, have that experience, Cavs Nada or Cavs Anada. Cavs Nada is just the way I say it. But that's Justin Rowan of the Takedown Podcast. Everything he said to do to his podcast, do the hard. I, I will down. take you down. I will take chase you down. down. Yeah, the whole block <laughs> thing. That's what you're referencing. <laughs> yeah. But thank you, Justin, for appearing, and thank you uh, to all the listeners uh, for listening to this episode of Elatagas Palabo. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.